Portland is a baseball town. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. <laughs> there was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they brought a little short, chubby guy in with the name Peters and put him <laughs> in my place and sent me to double A ball. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado, your hosts, Ben and Dave. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben, and we're here recording tonight in the Scottsdale Baseballism store with my man, Connor Jones. How are you doing tonight, Connor? Hey, Ben. I'm doing good, man. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to allow us to interview you and getting to know you a little bit better. So... Without further ado, let's go ahead and uh, jump into your episode, Connor. I usually like to start off the episode with getting to know you a little bit better in the means of, you know, talking about your first, like, baseball experience that you can remember off the top of your head. Not that you've played, but something that you've gone and watched. Like, what was that first experience that you can remember? One that certainly comes to mind uh, growing up here in Arizona has to be the 2001 World Series. Um, I was lucky enough to have my father take me to game one, which we did end up winning. Um, I mean, just a a magical experience there over at uh, the Diamondback Stadium. Was then Bank One Ballpark, is now Chase Field, but... Something that I uh, I never forget every time I step into that stadium. That's the year that they had what, um, Kurt Schilling, yeah. the big unit, and they had Luis Gonzalez. Luis wasn't Gonzalez, it? Steve Finley, mm-hmm. I mean, Jay Bell, Matt Williams. It, it was a, a heck of a team we had for it only being our third year in the big. So yeah. um, it was uh, fun times down here in Arizona. And that was versus the Yankees, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we uh, we took down the Evil Empire that year after they'd won, like, four of the last five World Series, too. Mm-hmm. So nobody expected us to do it. Um, we basically just rode uh, the big unit and Kurt Schilling to victory there. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what, what really got you into to baseball itself. Um, growing up, I really played all kinds of sports, um, but baseball was a thing that ran in my family. So I mean, my grandfather is a huge Yankees fan, actually, and then my father is a Red Sox fan. Oh, wow. Uh, so kind of just having that rivalry in our family uh, it made me passionate about the game. And uh, as I continued to grow up, I, I realized I was all right at baseball. So I, it was something I could uh, enjoy and eventually it would take me places. Mm-hmm. When, what age do you remember starting to play itself? I mean, I, I started when I was, I mean, as soon as I could swing a bat, I started uh, playing baseball. Dad got me up uh, as a left-handed hitter. He always wanted me to be a lefty. I'm a mm-hmm. right-handed thrower, but basically made me be a lefty to get that extra step towards first base. First base, excuse me. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, like, Little League and so on. I uh, grew up right in Chandler, Arizona, which is uh, actually the hometown of Cody Bellinger. Um, so big baseball town down here in the Valley. Um, played Chandler National Little League, went on to Bogle Junior High over in Chandler. And then freshman year, I was over at Hampton High School, which is baseball powerhouse where Cody ended up actually 
graduating from there. Um, I ended up transferring, though, my sophomore year so I could get more playing time, mm-hmm. um, which ended up working out for me. Played four years there and went on to play at uh, Villanova University in college. Yeah, so you went to Perry High School is where you ended up. Yes. Home with the Pumas. Perry Pumas, yeah. I was the first graduating class out there in 2010. Mm-hmm. And uh, from then, the, the program has actually got much better. So we're known as one of the top programs now in Arizona. Yeah. So, according to some of the research I did, it said that you were under Coach Hillstrom? Yep, Coach Hillstrom. Um, Don't think he's still over there at Perry, but he's a well-known baseball guy over in uh, Chandler and Gilbert area. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a bit about Coach and kind of what his his coaching ethic was like. Coach Hillstrom, he was somewhat of a hard-ass, so a lot of high school kids uh, need that at that point in in their life when they're trying to figure out who they are. I mean, that's part of playing baseball growing up Mm -hmm. is it beyond the game it teaches you a lot about life i mean it's a game of failure and you're gonna get pissed off at yourself you're gonna get pissed off at your coach but the way you deal with it is uh really what i think you learn the most about in baseball yeah let's talk a little bit about his leadership T- talk to me about something that you you really took away from him and that you you might see yourself using these days in you know when you as because as a manager now you, you you're clearly over leading people so what 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 are some things that you learned from him directly that you use today um just i don't know being a man about things taking responsibility for your actions i think mm-hmm. um i mean as a leader i always like to think i lead by example too so Hillstrom was definitely a hard ass on us and i think that uh went a long way for us yeah so you earned varsity letters in baseball uh so just, I know I'm going to tout you a little bit because I looked into some of this. You were the 2010 Arizona Division 5A2 all, in the All-Star game. You were an academic All-Star that same year. Um, I saw that as a junior, you batted 345. Yeah, I had a good year that year. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that year. Were you just kind of feeling it that year? Junior year, yeah, we were. So as the high school developed, we had to move up divisions each year because we got more students. So mm-hmm. I think my junior year, we were 4A2. Um, but yeah, really came into my own that year. Uh, a lot of kids in high school don't hit their growth spurts until yeah. later in their career. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't grow until I think my sophomore summer, early junior year, and then that uh, new height and size really came in handy that year. Mm-hmm. You led the team in runs batted in and slugging percentage, it says, too, that year also. Yeah, I, I was lucky to. I, I came from a good baseball background over mm-hmm. at Hamilton, um, so was playing with some good players and then was probably one of the better hitters over there at Perry. Yeah. So I, I got a lot of playing time and some respect in the lineup. One of the other things I want to bring up because I, I know you're again you're not gonna you're not gonna say this you may not even know this but uh, I was looking at some of the high school records and it says your fifth all time in school history with 31 RBIs in a single season uh, your second all time in school history with a 4.68 batting average in a single season um, your second all time in school history with a 50 with a .570 on base percentage in a single season. And your second all-time in school history with a 16-game hitting streak in a single season. I was looking at that. I'm like, wow. I mean, that's you know just the on-base percentage, your batting average, a 16-game hitting streak. Do you remember that at all? You know, I I don't actually recall. Um, but it is pretty cool that I still hold. I mean, I guess I'm not the record holder, but I'm still on the leaderboard, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. As I was the first graduating class there, so there's been a lot of good ball, ball players that have uh, 
come through Perry since then. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, you're in your junior year, senior year, high school, maybe even a little earlier. At what point were you thinking, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good at this. I see myself in a, at the next level. Where were you thinking at that point? It definitely would have been after my junior year. I mean, like I was saying, sophomore year, I really hadn't come into my, my growth spurt yet. So junior year, started growing, had a really nice season. And then uh, yeah, coming up into my senior year, I was going to more showcases and stuff, trying to get looks for college. Mm-hmm. Um, and then around October of 20, 2009, that would have been, um, went to a showcase, had a real nice series, and Villanova happened to be there, saw me have a good series. Then they go back and check the stats real quick just to make sure it wasn't a fluke. And I'd say two or three days later, I had an offer from him. So everything came in into perspective, I guess, really quick. I was always hoping to play college, but didn't have a whole lot of offers until my senior year. And I, I think after I got three from I had Villanova, Santa Clara out in California and a few JUCOs here in the Valley mm-hmm. and kind of just picked the one that I thought was going to be the best for me and went with it. Yeah. What was that whole experience like? Like, you know, did they, like you just said that they kind of took a look at your stats, but what were they telling you at that point? Like just kind of be, be aware that we're watching you and yeah, just be, I mean, it's, it's really exciting times. I mean, it's something that I love to talk with uh, other high school players when they're coming in the store and mention that they're looking to play in college. So it, it's exciting that you have colleges interested in you. And I mean, what then they're really trying to find out from other colleges, what are other people offering you? Cause mm-hmm. they want to kind of hedge their bets against everybody else. So um, basically Nova told me they would give me 40%. And I was like, well, can we get it to 50? And I would basically sign and they did it for me. So I went with it. Yeah. So let's jump back into that comment you just made a minute yeah. ago about you talking to high school students that come in and, and, and talk to you about that, that recruiting process. What are you telling them from your experience and things that you're passing down to them? I basically share that one experience of when I had that great game against, or it wasn't against, it was a showcase and Villanova was there. And I mean, I it was an academic all-star game, so I knew that there were gonna be a lot of good schools there that were looking for players that mm-hmm. could keep their grades up so that we could, I mean, give them these scholarships and know that they were gonna make their GPA requirements every yeah. week. Um, so I knew there were gonna be people there watching, but what I like to tell them is you never know who is watching it mm-hmm. at any given moment. So. Always put your best foot forward. I mean, hustle everywhere, and I mean, just try your best. You never know who's there. Yeah. So, you end up signing with Villanova. Yes. That must have been a fantastic day for you. It was exciting. I mean, being a kid from Arizona, not a whole lot of people know about Villanova. Yep. So this was before they had won the national basketball championships in sixteen and eighteen. So. I really wasn't sure what to expect. Um, my father, being from um, upstate New York, was very fond of Villanova because, I mean, it's a top private school out there yeah. on the East Coast. So when we saw the offer from Villanova, when we got the call, he was very adamant about it and said, we, I mean, he didn't want me to pass it up. So that was number one on his list from the start. And it really was the best offer. I mean, it seemed meant to be. So you're, you're a boy from Chandler, Arizona. You go to Villanova, which is in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. It's a heck of a weather difference, right? Yeah, certainly different. I mean, growing up in Arizona playing baseball, we're blessed. 
to have good weather year-round. So then uh, you go out to Philly and your first games of the season are in February and March when it's still, I mean, 35, 40 degrees out. So we don't play a home game until probably 20 games in the season. So they would, they would send us down to Florida to start the season every year, which was a lot of fun. Um, but it's tough when you're playing against teams like Florida State or mm-hmm. Arkansas. These guys have been on the field all winter, so this is our first time stepping on the field, and we're playing top-tier SEC programs. And uh, it, it was certainly fun to play down there, but they knocked the snot out of us a little yeah. bit. But it, it really just sets in how, how good those programs down there are. Mm-hmm. I read that uh, baseball's the oldest sport at Villanova, and it's the – the Villanova baseball program is the third oldest program in the college ranks, which I found pretty interesting. Pretty cool, yeah. I mean, one thing that it's it's actually on our outfield defense is established 1866, so one of the oldest programs in the country. Yeah. I mean, we used to be on campus, but we do play off campus now just because they had to use all the, the space available on campus for new classrooms and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So... Talk to me about that transition from high school, new area. What was what was that like for you? I mean, going to a college that's certainly out of state, um, and it, it's a big move for an 18-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that makes it easier is baseball because you are going on account of the game and you're with these guys every week. I mean, you have your teammates who are basically your friends, I mean, for the full four years. Eventually, you meet other people through school, but baseball is always the one thing that you can kind of rely on to make friends once you get out to school. Um, but then it goes from being just kind of a, I mean, I, I loved baseball in high school, but it wasn't like a full-time thing. I mean, I yeah. still had like my friends and everything outside, but once you go to college sports, it almost becomes like a full-time job. What was the day in the life of Connor in college? It, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we would have 6 a.m. lifting. Um, so you wake up, I mean, 5.30, crawl out of bed, walk to lifting, I mean, get done with lift, you go to breakfast before you have basically class all day from 8 to 3, and after class you go straight to practice, I mean, then after practice you go grab some dinner, after dinner you try to get some homework done or maybe have some free time in between there, mm-hmm. and then you wake up and do it all over again. I mean, luckily Tuesdays and Thursdays we didn't have lifting, but basically the only day that we had completely off to ourselves was Sunday. Yeah. And Saturday we still had practice. So it's a grind. Um, but if you're dedicated to the game, you know, that's the best way that you're going to get better. So mm-hmm. you, you got to put the hours in and it really uh, helps you build into a man, I think, too. I mean, yeah. if you can wake up at 530 for lifting as a 18 year old, you're going to be able to wake up for work someday. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing that our coaches used to say that you don't go or coaches and professors. You don't really go to college to earn a degree. It basically just shows that you're a responsible adult. Yeah. A lot of people that I talked to so far, like in the college ranks that are players have said of that, it, it gives them some sort of accountability and, you know, being on time to, to events and Absolutely. making sure you're there. If you're late, you're running. So you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> if you miss, you're running even more. So let's jump into your freshman season. Uh, sounds like you appeared in 24 games. You had nine starts. You made your collegiate debut at Norfolk State. So talk a little bit about how that day debut was like being you know, a starter and being on the field. It's actually a funny story. So my first career hit 
uh, would have been in, I think it was the second or third game of the series. So I didn't start my first game ever, which is expected as a freshman. Mm -hmm. Um, But they got me in there for a start. I think my, was the second or third game. And first at bat, I I rip a ball right down the right field line, um, goes all the way to the fence. And I'm booking it around first. Just so excited that I hit this ball of the fence in my first at bat. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I missed second base. So oh. I'm, I'm going for three. I make it. I slide in. I'm safe. Then they, they uh, appeal the throw to second and they call me out. So technically, it was still a hit in my first at bat, but instead of a triple, I got a single. Oh. Um, but I mean, that just getting it out of the way, getting that first hit felt good. And then I realized that I need to calm down. You're going to hit a lot more baseballs here in college. So mm-hmm. collect yourself once you run around the bases. So what are some things that you learned that freshman year that carried you into your sophomore year? Um, the pitching is going to be a lot more strategic in college. I mean, in high school, they see your batting average. They see that you're pretty good, but they generally don't have scouting reports on you. Um, so I saw a lot of fastballs in high school, which is what I like to hit. Um and then your first year, your freshman year, I mean, you're probably going to see predominantly fastball still until they figure it out. But um, I did learn that once they figure out how to pitch to you, you're not going to get what you want very often. So mm-hmm. when you see the pitch you want, you better go get it. Yeah. And it, it did take me some time to figure out how to hit some college pitching. But mm-hmm. you adjust at every level as you continue to move up. Yeah. So you move into your sophomore season at Villanova. This year you played and started in 54 games. That was nice. Yeah, and you you batted two seventy six. You had thirteen doubles, one home run, and thirty five RBIs. And your home run came in a game against Seton Hall that year. That was a very memorable game. So we went extra innings with Seton Hall. I think it was the top of the twelfth, and we had runners on second and third with no outs. So I was really just trying to drive a ball to the outfield, and hopefully bring in one run. Um, so then I get a slider low and in. If you go back, I mean, I probably thought it was a fastball, but just reacted to the pitch, drove a ball deep out to right center, and that was my first career home run. I mean, everybody on the the bench was freaking out, and my roommate runs out to home plate and like lifts me up and everything. It was uh, a very memorable moment, and then uh, we went on to I think win the next game too. So mm-hmm. Seton Hall being, being one of our biggest rivals, winning. Two on the doubleheader that day was yeah. was huge for us. How did it feel? Just the ball just coming off the bat at that moment. I mean, you you kind of I don't want to say you black out. Like, I still remember running around the bases and looking over at my bench, and they're all freaking out. So, but it was basically pure reaction when I'm mm-hmm. hitting that ball, which really is the best way you should hit. Stop thinking and just react. Yeah. So you end up driving like four runs that game, uh, and like you said, it was a doubleheader. Uh, that year, you scored 26 runs and stole nine bases. Uh, you had a .976 fielding percentage, and you played exclusively in right field. Now, was that your primary position throughout your high school and You know, in, uh, high school, college? I was more of a left field center fielder, so I didn't get a whole lot of time out there in right. I mean, actually, just because we had a kid in high school who had a hose for an arm. So I didn't get a whole lot of time in right field, but... It was, mm-hmm. I mean, generally all outfield positions. If you know how to track a ball, it's the same. You just got to know that in left field and the right field, it's going to tail towards the line. So just got to remember which way the ball is going to yeah. tail. But pretty easy adjustment for me. Yeah. Well, before we uh, take a quick break, we're going to get into some uh, three questions, three random questions all that right. I like to have. So 
if you first question is is that if you could have anybody play you who would that actor be that's a tough question I'm trying to think of uh, who would be a good baseball guy I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Well, that's all right. We can, we can move on. I don't that's think anybody question. would make a movie about me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What's your what's your favorite baseball movie? Uh, for me, would have to be The Sandlot. I mean, a movie that certainly brings you back to childhood. And uh, just playing. Wearing the yeah, beast. I'm wearing right the now. Hercules cap today. Yeah. Um, so it just reminds me of growing up as a kid in the neighborhood playing. I mean, we didn't really play pickup baseball, but we played pickup wiffle ball. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I think is more common. I mean, back in yeah. the day, they probably used to play pickup, like stickball and everything, but it's tough to get a group of, what, 18 people together to play a baseball game. Mm-hmm. So, um, Just a group of like five, ten yeah, guys. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If we can get three-on-three wiffle ball going over at the park, I mean, that's basically what the Sandlot reminds me of is playing baseball as a kid. What's your funniest baseball story? Besides missing uh, second base on my – first career hit let me think here um high school ball we had a real fun play I, I was always i mean seemed like a lucky guy when it came to baseball um so we had a loaded bases fly ball to center field i'm playing center that game i end up dropping the ball but i pick up the ball as quick as i can and throw it to home we get the guy out at home we and then because it was a force at every bag, we ended up uh, turning a triple play Away. on a ball that I should have caught and would have just been one out. So um, it's one moment that anytime I see somebody from my high school, my high school team, they just can't forget about because it seemed like it was just too good to be true that I should have got an error and mm-hmm. cost our team a couple runs, but I got a, a triple play instead. <laughs> It's kind of like your own Smalls moment. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Got lucky that day. So last question. If you could have one superhero power, what would it be? I mean, from a baseball perspective, I think reading minds would go a long way and knowing what pitch is coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Houston Astros would say the same, but <laughs> knowing what pitch is coming in baseball goes a long way. I mean, you don't touch on uh, how many times I struck out in baseball. But nope. I uh, I was definitely a go big or go home guy because I mm-hmm. wanted that fastball right down the middle and didn't get it very often. So knowing uh, knowing what pitch was coming would go a long way in baseball. Nice. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. What's going on, podcast family? Ben here for Devo Bag Company. Rooted in eastern Washington, Devo uses nothing but the highest quality maple, ash, birch on the market. You know what? It makes a difference. At Devo Bats, they take pride in the craftsmanship that goes into each and every wooden bat produced. Your success at the plate is their ultimate priority. They want you to know when you think of bats, think of Devo Bats. Devo Bats your Northwest supplier of affordable quality wooden bats. Hey podcast fam, it's Ben here from my friends over at Baseballism. Founded by four former college baseball players and teammates, their love and passion for the game did not stop after leaving the playing field. An amazing organization founded on the beliefs of class, tradition, 
and the history of baseball. I personally shop at Baseballism because of the quality of their products and the top of the line customer service I get each and every time. Take it from me, an avid hat lover. Baseballism is not your run-of-the-mill apparel company. Check them out at any of their fine locations or visit them online at Baseballism.com. Baseballism, built for the love of the game. Okay, we are back. Uh, we got Connor Jones here. We were talking with him. We've just been finding out a little bit about his history in baseball thus far. And we made it all the way up through his uh, junior season of college. And we're going to talk about some summer ball real quick. Because in 2012, between your ju- uh, sophomore and junior season, you went and played in the Atlantic Collegiate League for Southampton. Yes. Uh Good so summer. You played 15 games that summer. Uh, you had 11 hits, six RBIs, and 46 at bats, and nine base on balls. It sounded like it was a quick season for you, and you didn't really get to you know play that much. So I actually switched teams that summer. I was playing for a team in Oneana, just outside of Cooperstown, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was playing there for half a summer, and we had like eight outfielders on that team. Oh so really? I was getting playing time like every other game. So the coach offered me. Well, actually, they there was a team in Southampton that was looking for players, and my college coach reached out and asked me if I wanted to go to get more bats. And I said, "Yeah, let's go for it," just so I can continue to work on my game. Uh, so I ended up going out to Southampton, um, which is a really great place to play baseball. I mean, a lot of uh, old money out there in the Hamptons. So I got to see some cool houses and some really cool host families. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and then we ended up winning the championship in that league, too. So it, it seemed like it worked out for the best. Yeah, you bring up a, a really interesting um, thing about host families. Yes. I want to talk a little bit about that. And and can you just explain to us kind of like what it meant to have a host family and be able to go to an actual house each and every night after games? Oh, it's as a college kid, when you're, uh, I mean, during the season, you're still kind of taking care of yourself. you got to figure out your own meals and everything in the dorms. Um, but then having uh, a summer ball host family is nice that um, you got basically a, a host mom and a host dad who cook you meals and do your laundry and everything. So it's basically a, a home for three months. And mm-hmm. most of the families that are nice enough to let players stay with them for the summer are really good people that love the game of baseball and are really kind of looking for a way that they can get involved in the game and give back to the game as well. Do they try to stay in contact with you these days? Yeah. I mean, still to this day, I, I have all my host family's contact information. I mean, I was there in the Hamptons and had a, a nice contractor that actually worked in the city in New York City. So a uh, real nice family out there. And then, I mean, every summer ball family I've ever had is mm-hmm. still in touch. So you transition into back into your junior season. Now, before we get into that, did what, what, what's your biggest takeaway from your summer ball time frame? Were you able to like take some of that transition into your, your now your junior season? So it's tough to say because summer ball is usually your best playing form because you've been playing all season and then I mean you're continuing to play right into summer ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so summer ball was sometimes my best baseball, and then you go back to school. I mean after summer ball you have a break and then you play all through fall ball and it's not so much live action anymore mm-hmm. um but summer was always a time when 
you're completely dedicated to baseball. Like there's no more class anymore. So your focus is completely on baseball. It's basically like being a professional baseball player for two or three months because that's your only responsibility for the most yeah. part. I mean, some guys were taking summer school and everything, but usually it's like online courses that were easy. So just focusing completely on baseball was one of the biggest takeaways for mm-hmm. summer ball. So your junior season seemed to be a really good season for you. It seems like things were clicking that year. Yeah, I was uh, confident after my sophomore season, and I mean that was when I started to get an idea that I could possibly play professional baseball. Got a couple offers, for, or not offers, but a couple um, inquiries from major league teams and people that wanted to meet with me, at least to get to know me as a person and everything. Um, so I, that's when I started to put a little bit of pressure on myself when you start to think about, I mean, all these years that my dream had been to play Major League Baseball, and now mm-hmm. you've actually got teams like the Pirates or the Mets and stuff that are reaching out to you about playing for them. So started to put a little bit of pressure on myself, but it, it only made me work that much harder, I think, because I, I knew it was an actual possibility. Yeah. And then you, so you transfer from your junior season into now – uh, the West Coast League, so you're now another another season in summer ball, and this time you play for the Kitsap Blue Jackets. Yep. Uh, talk to us about that season. This is probably my favorite summer of summer ball. Um, I mean, I had some options on where I wanted to go. I was thinking maybe the Northwoods League and the Midwest or possibly the uh, league down in like North Carolina area, but I really am a big fan of the Pacific Northwest, so I, I wanted to get up there and spend a summer up there and get to play baseball, doing what I love. Um, so got in, I, I mean, th- that summer I actually reached out to teams myself trying to find a, a league I could play for. So I started reaching out to all the teams in the Pacific North in that West Coast League and actually looked for the teams that had lower records. So we're probably looking for help. So I, I reached out to the Blue Jackets, which were kind of the ragtag team of the league. And they said they were looking for players. So I, uh, committed pretty early there I think even before my uh, junior season mm-hmm. that I was going to go play ball out there so it was a great summer awesome and then you shift into your senior year and then you actually take a big shift in the senior year it looks like you go from right field to back to center field yeah it was nice to so uh, we had a lot of freshman outfielders coming in that year so nobody that was really ready to take the center field spot um, so it was nice to move back over to the center field position, which is mm-hmm. what, actually what I prefer. I like reading balls kind of straight up off the bat rather than to the side. But it was an exciting move for me. Got to yeah. show off the speed a little bit more. So this is what was said of you for your, your time at Villanova. It said you're a very strong defensive outfielder with a good arm, one of the team's top power bats in the lineup. A defensive difference maker on the field who has all conference potential, a great deal of intensity. Would you say that sums you up? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, when I got on the field, I tried to flip a switch and, um, I mean, just play my ass off, hustle everywhere, mm-hmm. and give the team the best chance that I can to to help them win. Yeah, and then this is said of you for the major league draft. He's a five-tool player who hits for power and has demonstrated great speed. Uh, he's one of the top power threat in the middle of the batting order, aligning in either center field or right field defensively. Nice. Yeah, I mean, 
that was certainly my game was my bat when I hit the ball and then uh, my speed in the outfield too. I didn't really have the uh, stolen base acceleration speed, but I had that kind of sixth gear mm-hmm. track down balls in the outfield speed. So it doesn't seem like you got drafted. No. Yeah. So that was uh, a heartbreaking moment. I mean, draft day, I was back home in Arizona, had a, had my computer out, was watching the draft board and, was waiting to hear my name and it actually never came. I mean, the uh, there was actually a funny moment that day. Um, there's a player for San Diego State. His name was Connor Joe, and my name is Connor Jones. So they announced Connor Joe over the board, and I thought that was for sure me. And then I thought it over and I was like, wait, that's not me. So it, for a second, my eyes lit up, um, but it didn't end up happening. And then uh, Connor Joe ended up playing for the San Francisco Giants last year and I was actually at the game when he got his first career major league hit oh wow which is hard to believe I mean the guy probably doesn't even know me but I somehow have a baseball connection to him and was Mm -hmm. there for his first major league hit which was pretty cool which I thought it was meant to be yeah so you played 2015 for the Pacific Association Sonoma Stompers yeah so after I didn't get drafted I figured I wanted to play professional baseball at some level so that was always my goal and I was going to find a way to do it so I started going to independent ball league tryouts all over the country I I jumped in my car I think I drove to one in Houston Uh, the one for Sonoma I actually drove all the way from Arizona to the Bay Area about 15 hours Um, but went up there with another buddy of mine who wanted to try and play baseball so we basically worked out together for two months and got in the best shape we could and while I was still in good baseball playing shape, I decided I needed to chase this. Um, got a call back a couple weeks later, and they asked me to come up and play for the summer. It was mm-hmm. awesome. So, but then you switch over to the Frontier League and play for the Grays the same season. What happened there? So it was actually the other way around. Okay. I started with the Grays, and then, so that was the first team I got picked up okay. by. Played with them for two months. And then they actually released me. They had some guy that got released from minor league ball um, that needed to get picked up by a team. So I got the short end of the stick on that. Hmm. And then I went home, and two weeks later I had a call from Sonoma because I'd been to their tryout earlier in the year. And the same thing happened. They were sending players up to a higher league, so they had a spot open up. So I came out there and uh, finished up that summer. Yeah. And then after there, you then... Go and get a job working for I-9 Sports site as a manager in Scottsdale. Yeah, so I uh, was looking, I mean, obviously after baseball, you got to try and find a job. A lot of people that play indie ball um, kind of just have part-time jobs. And then in the summer, they go back and play baseball mm-hmm. for three or four months, uh, which is pretty cool. But you got to eventually move on and get a real job. So I, I started uh, with I-9 as basically just running their youth sports, um, which was something I knew I wanted to be around. Yeah. Um, if you can't work in baseball or sports, you want to at least, I mean, if, excuse me, if you can't, can't play, play, you want to at least work and be around it. Um, so did that for a while before I decided that wasn't as lucrative as I thought it would be and got a job in finance, actually, um, trying to use my Villanova major to at least – do something with it. So I uh, worked in finance for six months, had a desk job as a call support specialist for uh, MFS. Um, Great company, but don't get me wrong, I'm not really a a desk job kind of person. Mm -hmm. So I I 
figured I had to find a way back into baseball. So I applied for a part-time position here at Baseballism in Scottsdale. And uh, I think a couple months later, I, I had a part-time job and was working mm-hmm. here. So you, so at that point, were you just recognizing, you know, you're not going to get another shot at baseball or what, what happened? I mean, it was still kind of going through my head that at that point, I think I was still in pretty good shape that I could possibly go back. But I mean, when I was playing indie ball, you see all the, the other talent that's around you. I mean, especially when you're seeing minor league guys that are getting released from affiliate ball. Um, and then are, I mean, I don't want to say they were clearly better than me, but they had skills that I hadn't really ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of just gets real for you. I mean, you, you work your as hard as you can and play as long as you can, but eventually you got to get real with, I mean, how far you're going to be able to go in the game. Yeah. So you, you get on with baseballism, you know, you're a sales associate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, what, what brought you to the company? I mean, I discovered the brand myself when I was in college, I think just from scrolling through Instagram and I, I came across something called baseballism one time and saw the, the concept of the brand and I mean, basically fell in love with it right away as somebody who loves baseball and was thankful for everything that the game had allowed me to do, mm-hmm. finding a brand that kind of embodies that uh, love of the game was something special to come across. And I always said this would be a cool brand to work for if an opportunity ever came up. Yeah. Um, so then once I, I moved back to Arizona, saw that we had a store open here in 2016. I mean, that was basically right when I got back. So I thought this seems like it's meant to be. So I sent a resume in and like I said, a couple months, I mean, after the finance job, I, I started over here. Mm-hmm. And so how has it gone? I mean, you've, you've, you were, we were here in Scottsdale then looks like you got a job as the manager at the greater Atlanta area store. Yes. So after working for about six months here, just as an associate, um, the brand was continuing to grow. And this was when we were going to start doing our stadium stores right outside all the MLB parks. Uh, so the first one that we did was the Atlanta Braves because they had the new stadium built out there. Uh, just outside Atlanta near the Marietta area. Mm-hmm. And I saw that they had posted something online for a retail um, store manager and thought, hey, I could probably do this. I mean, I, I know I would have to move across the country to do so. Um, so I went through the due process of applying with the company and everything, even though I was already hired. And they loved the the idea of having somebody that already knew the day-to-day uh, to go out to Atlanta and run the store. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually started with, uh, I was actually just the assistant manager to start. And after a couple of months, the things didn't work out with the original manager. So I got a, a nice little promotion to manager after being out there mm-hmm. in Atlanta for three months. But Atlanta's a great place. I mean, I wasn't really expecting anything, but went down to the South and got a little taste of the Southern hospitality down yeah. there. So how'd you end up here in Scottsdale as the manager for the Scottsdale star? So that is after I went to Atlanta, I bounced over to San Francisco to open our store right across the street from well, what's now Oracle, what was then AT&T Park. Uh, so I ran that store for a year and a half before uh, the company gave me an opportunity to move back home. And like I said, I grew up here in the Valley, so it was nice to come back and be able to talk more Arizona baseball people. And mm-hmm. I mean, people certainly know me more around here than anywhere yeah. else. So. It's nice to be back in uh, my home grounds, I guess, my stomping grounds. Yeah, because this is like 
it's baseball mecca in the, in the springtime. Exactly. I mean, we are lucky to have baseball year round here, and then the spring is the best time of year to be here because you get people from all over the country that are excited about mm-hmm. the upcoming season, and a lot of people from cold weather states that are happy to be out here watching baseball in yeah. eighty degree weather. So I'm going to ask you one final question before we we let you go, and that is is that since working here in the Scottsdale store. Who's been the most interesting person that you've seen walk through the doors here? So, Scottsdale, I haven't been here. I mean, I can touch on some that I used to work in my okay. when I first started. Um, I thought it was huge to get to meet Heidi Watney, who's actually with MLB Network. Um, I know she's married now, but she was always uh, one of my favorite reporters. So, getting to kind of deal with her on a face-to-face basis was pretty cool, and uh since starting with the company, I've got to meet all kinds of players through uh, Atlanta and then San Francisco as well. Um, in San Francisco, we had a charity event that we kind of donated some product to. So I got invited to meet all the players and got to meet Bochi in his last season up there. So that was pretty cool, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, I mean, it's nice just to get to meet people that are known as I mean, the top professionals in the yeah. game that I love. What about just adding this in? What about just an ordinary Joe or Jane that's like walked through the door? I mean, you, you, or even called you on the phone. I mean, I think I know a guy. He has a, uh, a podcast, actually. <laughs> Name's Ben. If you've heard of him, I, uh, you guys should uh, get a hold of him. <laughs> Good guy. All right. Well, I just want to say thank you for taking your time to, um, to, to jump on here, uh, spend some time with us. Talk to us a little bit about you, you know you as an individual. It's been really cool to actually. I mean, I've been in the store a few times, just trying to talk with you. But it's been great to just kind of do some some background research on you and, and talk to you about it in person. So thank you. Yeah, man, absolutely. Come Excellent. back anytime. I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you haven't come and visited the Scottsdale store, you got to. It's uh, in the heart of Old Town Scottsdale. It's a really nice location. And got some great people that uh, work here. And, of course, you can always come say hi to Connor. So that'll do it for this episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben. You have yourself a great day wherever you are at. Peace out.